Hello, welcome to our still unnamed podcast. I am Elise. And I'm Julia. And today we are going to be talking about fashion seasons and what they mean for you as a consumer or a shop owner or whomever you may be and what it means for us in the shop. I'd say every day people are aware of like kind of a fashion calendar and like, oh, it's summer, I'm going to wear dresses or it's winter, I need to wear coats and layer up a lot. And we just wanted to talk about how did that start in relation to stores and when they buy things and kind of what the calendar is right now. Um, So most people are pretty aware that fashion has two calendars no not two calendars like two main seasons um the first one would be spring summer and then the second would be fall winter and those were kind of the main ones for a really long time but then like as time has gone on we have all these micro seasons that have popped up in between for instance we have high summer pre-fall and resort and large chain stores even have lots of other little Mm -hmm. ones they've stuck in between things um And this is kind of what the season breakdown is like. So just to start at the beginning of the year, January is usually going to start the year with sale season from the things that didn't sell during the holidays. We also have resort kind of continuing on from what had started earlier. Um, And then you start seeing new deliveries starting to come into stores in between February and May. And that would be the spring summer shipments. And then In June, you kind of start to see high summer come in and also pre-fall. But then at the same time, kind of mid-July to the end of August, you see sale season for all the spring-summer pieces. And then some people even start shipping fall at the end of July. I think that's more common for Mm -hmm. European brands because they all want to go on vacation. vacation. Let's be honest, they all want to go on vacation for all of August. Um, So you get your fall shipments really early if you're importing from Europe. Um, and then that kind of goes August through, you usually finish receiving most of our stuff by the end of October, though a few people drag on and are still shipping in November. And then like at the end of November through December, you start to see resort kind of Mm -hmm. coming in and we don't always order from these in between seasons. Yeah. They're generally more specialized. I mean, you can tell basically by the name that it's resort or the concept of high summer, which is more for the people who are going to be traveling abroad and are going to be going out of their climate that they're normally in. So if you're based here in Philly in December, it's going to be freezing cold. You're going to be wearing coats and pants and boots. But then if you go on a fabulous vacation to the Bahamas or something, you are not going to be wearing your coats and boots and hats and whatever. And so you'll need your resort clothes. So the resort in high summer is more for the vacation crowd, and so... And we don't always cater to that at the store, really. because it tends to be more for the people who are going to lounge on beaches and wear beautiful silk dresses and be in all these bright colors and have sparkles and glitter, and it's really beautiful. It's just not what we do here. And sometimes we kind of, yeah, sometimes we kind of wish we had that stuff when it was that temperature here. Yeah, but it's not offered Though you could just buy it and then just hold on to the inventory until people want it. Um, Our normal customer would want it, which is an option, but that's the benefit of being a small store is that we can hold on to the inventory forever if we wanted to. If we wanted to, yeah. 
So that's just kind of like a rough outline if you aren't familiar with it. And there's other seasons we're not naming. I was just looking up online a couple seconds ago that someone says there's now 52 micro seasons throughout the whole year, but that's mainly like H&M and larger stores. And they're giving, literally getting new boxes in every day and unpacking Mm -hmm. everything. And it's really overwhelming to think about that many clothes out there. And a lot of it originates in like, we just need to keep, the cycle of consumption going and make more money, cash flow, everything. Um, I mean, we try, again, we tried to look this up a little bit before we started. We couldn't find a ton after a quick 10 minute search, but we just kind of assumed that this calendar started because as people started having less and less bespoke clothing made for them and less things tailored to them, people weren't sewing out of their homes. There wasn't someone in the home that knew how to sew. They needed to kind of establish a fashion calendar for when you could buy these things for department stores. Yeah, like if you see like the old Sears um, catalogs and stuff, that's probably where this started because they needed to have the lead time to be able to produce the clothes to get them to the consumer. And as the whole fashion industry has expanded to ready to wear opposed to as we said when people used to have things custom made for them so there's like the custom clothes and then there's ready to made ready to made ready, ready to, to made. wear <laughs> and so basically most everyone nowadays buys ready to wear clothing and so in order to fulfill the the need for clothing at a certain point in time the schedule gets stretched and stretched and stretched so that the brands are able to sell the pieces, produce the pieces, and get the pieces to the consumer. And so that is where we have figured that the stretching of the seasons has come from and why you start getting seasons arriving in shop basically the opposite time of year that you'd want them. And then you order them even farther in advance. And so it's just an interesting thing to think about that you're kind of in a different headspace when you order the clothes for the different season and then you get them. And it makes definitely the job of a buyer kind of more to think about because you have to essentially trend forecast what people are going to want, what colors people are going to want, what shapes they're going to want, if they're going to want, you know, maxi dresses versus mini dresses versus sleeves or no sleeves. Or if, I don't know, royal blue is the hot color and you order only royal blue and then and then no one, ro- no, no one, one wants, wants royal blue. So it's all it's all about gambling because again, it is gambling. Yeah, we That's have a good comparison. Already put in all of our orders for spring summer, and they're going to be starting to show up in a couple months. And we put we I think finished the last one a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and we should. Most people like to get them all in for spring summer by the end, uh, by mid October, I yeah. would say, unless they are own their own little workshop in which case there's more flexibility, more flexibility. But that's a whole other conversation um so that's hopefully explains why in the middle of the summer you're gonna be seeing sweaters in stores and bathing suits are gonna be on sale even though that you could still logical. definitely use a bathing yes. suit yeah you definitely still need bathing suits in july and august but you probably don't need a sweater in July and August if you're on the West Coast. Yeah, so it's just, it's interesting for us to, and I know a lot of other shops feel this way too, that here you are receiving, literally we'll be receiving bathing suits in February, and we're like, what are, who wants this right now? And I mean, I guess there's some people who are like, oh, I totally can see myself using this this summer, and they buy it now, it's a new arrival, but it's really hard to see how that's applicable at that time of year, and the stores that wanted 
or the brands that want to deliver mm-hmm. that early for that type of item. Yeah, you also might not know the gaps in your wardrobe until you're actively back in said wardrobe. So you might not realize that you only have one bathing suit bottom and no bathing suit tops that fit or work or whatever. And then maybe you can't find your size because everything's been being sold for a couple months and everything's exactly. on sale. And that's then a good, that's left. a good point because yeah. if there's a combination of people who kind of jump the gun, the second the new arrivals arrive, then they're going to get whatever potentially might be the most popular size for that item. But then by the time you who are a person who wants things when you can actually use them, your size might not be there, which is kind of annoying. Yeah. So it's kind of, that's kind of the fast fashion aspect is that people want newness as soon as it comes in and they want first pick and they want to be able to have all the options. And when that gets taken away from them, they get agitated. And so that also seems to be how, fast fashion and this concept of newness impacts the entire fashion universe regardless of if you are slow fashion fast fashion you make stuff out of your own home and sell it on etsy whatever it may be it everyone's impacted by this concept that you need newness now and since we're offering newness now regardless if it's usable you'll want it and so it's just an interesting way of thinking about how retail works and how it pushes the consumer to maybe choose stuff that they wouldn't necessarily choose it because it might not be there in two months when they want it. I know we were talking a lot about, or we joke about like the <laughs> of FOMO, the fear oh, yeah. of missing out. And I think maybe that's kind of come into the world of slow fashion a little bit. People mm-hmm. are going on website updates right away. I think we mentioned this in the last one and like really overbuying these slow fashion brands um, because they're worried when they actually go to wear, like they won't be able to get it when they actually want it, which is like another kind of issue with a supply Mm -hmm. chain and the demand not being met. Yeah. And that's another thing I think we were going to talk about is turnaround time on slow fashion and ethical fashion versus fast fashion is very, very different. Um, so our, some of the brands we order with, they are also the textile designer and they also own the textile factory that is going to hand weave all the fabric. So clearly they're going to need more lead time because they need to weave the fabric. They need to cut the fabric. They need to sew the fabric. They need to wash the fabric. They need to do all these Dye the fabric. Yeah. There's a hundred more steps to that process versus a fast fashion company, which could probably have a 30 day turnaround on a unit in bulk. Because, like, there's someone who's stocking all the fabric in a yes. warehouse somewhere. Yeah, so they're just buying all this ready-prepared things. They're not working on fits and shapes and stuff. And having worked in small fashion brands, I know that they are tweaking the fit and every single detail as late as possible until the factory's like, no, we really need to get this into production or it's going to be late. And and everything is always is late. It always seems yeah. like everyone's rushing at the last minute yeah. in manufacturing to get things done. Like I'm thinking that when I was putting my own line together and I was giving everything I needed to the factory, a lot of the sewing would not happen until like two weeks before mm-hmm. I actually wanted to ship. And I think that that's why there's a lot of delays or things are not there on time is because they've spent a lot of time tweaking the fit yeah. or changing things that you don't have 
the fabric you were looking for. So more time is spent sourcing and tweaking fits. And I guess all of that is called development before a thing actually get made. And as a result, like that can make poor quality products. If you're like, things can get thrown on the floor and they have stains on them and they're rushing or stitches get missed and we do a lot of quality control. So we're thinking yes. about that right yes. now. Yeah. And that should really be the job of the brand to do the quality control, but they forget sometimes. And I think that's the, the pressure of the seasons that kind of add to that, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah, because for big retailers, they're more on a strict schedule than us small retailers. And so they actually have to get their stuff in store and they only have a certain amount of weeks that they can sell it at full price. And then past a point, they're dictated that they have to now sell it at a discount. And so for the um, the uh, reputation of the brand and stuff, they want to get it in as soon as possible so that the brands or that the big stores can sell it as long as possible so they can sell it as long as possible at a higher value so that then they're a more appealing brand for the big retailers to come back to because they were able to sell through 80% of the pieces in eight weeks and then they only had to sell X many units on sale. And so that that is an interesting thing when small brands sell to big stores as well as small stores because as we've said a million times small stores we don't really care about the schedule we don't have to put things on sale at a certain date we can do it when we want we can it's get our decision yeah. yeah no one's looking yeah. down at us and saying it is time yeah like no one's gonna send us an email and say okay it's time to put everything that you received from x order on sale now and you must discount it at 30 percent. and our goal is to sell through the remaining units in the next 30 days yeah only recently i mean i guess when we looked back and kind of analyzed how a season did at the end of the season we would kind of just always this sounds awful but go by gut instinct or mm-hmm. like oh there's less of this on the shelf and only recently did we kind of start trying to at least kind of put it together because one vendor was asking like what is your sell through by this date and we're like oh we've never really thought about it yeah. that way and so elise has been going through and looking at like the percentages and she's been tracking each style like each style on the website and how many we've sold since the box landed which we've never really done it that specifically before by timelines and it's really fascinating like the numbers we've came up with because they're not exactly what we thought they would be and we're surprised we we thought oh this was doing good and we're like oh actually that's not 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 doing good at all (laughs) yeah and it's interesting because that's that's how the big retailers work is that it is incredibly detailed they have everything incredibly mapped out and tons of formulas and all this stuff and we don't, so it's very interesting that now as a small shop we're able to see on the scale of what sells and some designers are like, oh, they sell great, like we never have a problem with them. It turns out that they don't sell great and I think we just put on rose-colored glasses and we're like, well, we love them so We love much. them so much and they're so great yeah. to work with. So like everyone else must love them and that might not be the case or it might be that maybe we had a buy that people didn't care for I mean, we've been learning that our customers don't look for formal pieces at the shop. They Even though they're gorgeous. Yes. And they take beautiful photographs and everyone likes the photographs. Yeah. But it's it's that people aren't looking for us for event pieces, which maybe they should, but they aren't. And then also people tend to like harder wearing materials. Yeah. Like cotton. People always want cotton. People are scared of silk, kind of. People want cotton and linen and wool and they only want these specific things and so another way to look at this that's very helpful is you can see what is selling through 
to be like, oh, look, this all silk dress is not selling, but its counterpart that's basically the same piece in cotton is gone. So then we can tell that that's what we're supposed to, what we should invest more of our time and money into because that's what people want. And again, it's hard because you're buying halfway through the year past the season you just had and then six months until it's going to arrive. So, so you're it's kind not of, fresh yeah, in your mind. it's not fresh in your mind. And you're often trying to foresee the future for the opposite season that you're currently yeah. in, which is always challenging. I mean, it's kind of fun. It's a bit like, a like daydreaming. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a puzzle, too. And you also don't want to like duplicate order, which mm-hmm. you have to be really careful of. You're like, oh, I really was feeling this blue dress and I ordered five blue dresses yeah. from five different vendors and they're all kind of similar. That's so, also navy coats this season. I feel like we, we this we, winter we, I feel like we were going to order a million navy coats. And Elise was like, no more navy. I, like, I think I think we've hit our limit on navy, navy coats. Yeah. Because even though each one in and of itself might be a completely beautiful piece of clothing, it just it confuses yeah. the customer more. It dilutes even though, its value. I do think though, I forget who I heard say this lately is like people want to be able to make choices. So sometimes it is good to have two things because then mm-hmm. the customer feels like they can make a choice between the two. And that's true with yeah. a vendor also, vendors yes. and stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I say vendor, I mean the brand, just so people understand yeah. that. But um, the other thing kind of also related to like thinking ahead or is trend projections and this is a world we don't really pay attention to whatsoever but I remember this coming up maybe six years ago I got this email from someone who was like an acquaintance of mine back in Boston and she worked at New Balance which was weirdly enough I don't know if anyone lives in Boston but they about six years ago they made this cruise ship of a office building on the Mass Pike right outside of Boston and Um, There was a woman who worked there and she said, oh, we just got this trend projector and the dress you sewed is in this trend projection. And I didn't know what that meant at the time, but she like forwarded it to me. Um, But I couldn't gain access to this trend projection because apparently I I found out after some research, these are things that these companies put out. They do like years of research and they compile these projections with imagery. I guess it's like a a fancy Pinterest board and a PDF of things that companies companies claim this is what's going to be on trend in one year two years three years like up to like really far in the future and people will pay thousands thousands of dollars for these pdf projections and which is crazy and a lot of the time like you don't know your stuff might be in it they're Mm -hmm. taking your images without your permission Uh, just hitting up pinterest exactly because they're probably and it's even easier now than it was six years ago for these trend projections um we actually just got an email randomly from one in denmark the other day saying oh can they said can we use this image and we will give you a 10 percent discount discount, we will give you a discount off the projection yeah and we're like well we're still a small business and if you're offering this projection for ten thousand dollars and you give us 10% off. I'm going to give that a no. No, I'm going to give that a no. And yeah. are you paying me for the picture you want to use? Oh, no, wait, you're not. Yeah. And also, if they want to use our images, that means that we're clearly on trend. So why would we then go and spend all this money? Because it seems like that aspect of the story is becoming a trend-setting element. Exactly. Which is kind of something we're like, well, wait, we're not making money off. And this is probably happening to other small businesses, yeah. too. Like, all their images, everything is being siphoned off. 
And I don't know how, I think only big companies buy these trend projections. I don't they're think, the only ones who could yeah, it. they're the only ones. Like, so I'm sure like Nordstrom's, mm-hmm. Neiman's, Barn, well, not Barney's anymore, yeah. maybe, well, but well, who knows? Um, yeah, they're like buying these things. Yeah, like home goods too, because people like to talk about home yeah. goods. It just shows you any, fashion. yeah, anything yeah. can be monetized now. Oh, and yeah. it's so easy. And before they probably literally had to travel around looking yeah. for trends. And now they're just like, I'm sitting at my desk. Yeah, you're just like pinning away. And- yeah. Yeah. Like, Pinterest is a whole other topic about how it kind of disassociates images with the creators. Exactly. It's all it's all interesting because yeah, because these trend forecasters are forecasting out years in advance, and we're just barely trying to figure out six months in advance. Um, which I always think would be interesting if it was a full year, because then if you're just coming out of summer, it seems mm-hmm. like it'd be most logical. To, to think about next summer. summer. Yeah. To think about next summer. Because then again, you don't have the rose colored glasses where you're like, "Well, I love that dress," but it's like. Did the customer love that dress? And you can remember you love that dress. Yeah, and you can remember much more recently, like, oh wow, this kind of didn't do well at mm-hmm. summer for us this past yes. summer season. Don't buy bright yellow dresses. Yeah. We love them, but no but one else, else does. And I mean that's like another unfortunate thing we found about is like we try to carry a really well-rounded I guess, I mean, we definitely stick to a lot of neutral colors for the most part, but honestly, that's because that's what people buy. We try, we venture into bright colors for some reason. This special hot pink linen does really well for us. We don't know why. I mean, I like it, um, but like when we try to kind of go into different colors, it doesn't always play out for us, which is unfortunate because there's so many pretty fabrics and textiles out there. Yeah. But we just don't seem to do as well with them overall. Um, trend just forecasting. Trend forecasting. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's like, do people want royal blue? Do they want hot pink? Do they want lavender? They wanted it now, but now yeah. they don't want it, or they want it in this style. But, oh, it didn't really work well with that sweater. That purple didn't work well with that sweater. Yeah, which brings uh, up another interesting topic that you don't really do anymore but I see lots of small shops when they go on buying trips they post the pictures of the units that they're interested in oh, buying oh that's a good point to talk about and then they'll poll their customer which I'm saying in air quotes because if your Instagram following is directly your customer I think that's kind of unclear and vague because at least we don't have a way of knowing how many people because we Instagram has a lot of followers but I assume most of them are not our customers so it's all fine and well to have your opinion, but if you're not actually going to buy it, then are you leading the brand astray? Because we've we've run into that on a piece before. Yeah, we've definitely like because I I used to kind of post pictures from market, and people would be like, tell me they really loved it and they'd buy it. But then when we got it in, all of a sudden, it, yeah, they didn't want it anymore. They weren't interested in it. So I think it's a double edged sword to kind of like crowdsource your buying information. Exactly. Cause I, I, there's, there's pros and cons to it, but in the end I decided it wasn't really a good idea because people would see it and they'd want, first of all, they'd want it then they didn't want mm-hmm. it in five months by the time we got it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it seems like a very interesting trend Though I have seen that some showrooms won't let you post pictures. They'll be like, oh, no social media in mm-hmm. the showroom. Which Yeah, I was told by yeah. someone, like, I only take pictures oh, yeah. now for my own personal reference because a lot of brands 
when we go to Paris now, they don't have line sheets. They have no lookbook. Like it's a very different way of doing things. So I need the pictures to know what I ordered and I want to tweak anything later or change my order. I need those for reference. Um, but a lot of one person said, Oh, you can take pictures, but if someone else comes in the showroom, you have to stop taking pictures because I guess they're worried about it getting posted or shared now. I understand. Yeah. People ripping them off, which I have also seen happen. Um, yeah, and that's the whole working far in advance and then not too far in advance because if you're too far in advance and people are letting it get out, it's all very interesting because we definitely have some brands that like to keep their collections very secret. And then we have some other brands, like one or two in particular, that will, as soon as their lookbooks are done, they will start posting every single photo from the lookbook and we don't even have the line sheets. Like we can't even write the order yet. But people are. But they're like, very excited. They're very excited, and it's, they should be. It's beautiful. They should be. But it's it's just an interesting way of looking at how you want to advertise for yourself because they're advertising this product that won't be available. I mean, they're running pretty late. So seven, six to seven months from now is when we'll probably be getting it. But maybe they have a customer basis that will wait that long, yeah. and they see the value in waiting, and they'll remember they want it. Um, yeah. And I was just reading something on the computer again while we were trying to look this up, saying that um, runway shows were originally made to gauge the response of the collection from the buyers, but then the ready-to-wear would be like a derivative thing from Mm -hmm. that, so they'd actually know what they were able to produce, because otherwise they weren't going to produce the whole collection. Yeah, because that wouldn't make any sense. So, I mean, in a way, that's kind of good. Then you get a a sense of what to nix. And that's what's another interesting point is there will be so many things on a line sheet. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times that brand might not even produce that item because no one wanted it, um, which is unfortunate because they spent money developing it. And samples are really expensive. If you don't know that, samples are expensive. Um, When I was doing leather bags, like if we did one sample alone would probably be like $1,200 for the sample. And then if that sample wasn't right, we had to do another sample. Everything was being cut by hand. Um, Just a side note. Yeah. And so, yeah, a lot of things because we'll look back on line sheets and be like, wait, didn't we see this piece and we like it? I mean, we didn't order, but we don't see it anywhere else. And it's because we didn't order it and no one else ordered it. So they dropped it. Or if only one store buys it, a factory might be like, I'm really sorry, but we can't produce this affordably if it's under X many units. And so then... Because we can't order the fabric. Yeah. We're only going to use like a quarter of the bolt of the fabric. Yeah. And so it's all just striking a balance of the brand. Everyone everyone needs to make a profit because this is business. So everyone needs to make a profit. And so, again, that's probably why the schedule is so crazy is so that everyone has time and room and space to produce and make and make new things and sell things and then resell things and then buy things and then wear things. Yeah. And that's all good, but it still is unfortunate the way that the calendar lines up. Like it's never, um, practical. Like we, for instance, as an example, we received these really awesome coats for fall winter this season at I think it was the right at the end of July or it was right at the beginning mm-hmm. of August. And they're really nice. They're like a good like early to late fall coat. I don't think you'd wear it in a snowstorm, but you could definitely wear it inside in a snowstorm because yeah. it would keep you cozy by mm-hmm. your radiator. Um, yeah. But like at this point now, I'd say like, I don't know, as of like right around Halloween is when people started thinking, oh, I can wear a coat now here in Philly. Mm-hmm. And at this point people have really forgotten about this code on our website. We try to keep reminding them. Yeah. Um, 
and I mean, in store is different. Obviously, people see everything here at mm-hmm. once, but people on our website they've forgotten about them that they exist. So it it makes me think like, would this shipment have done better if it would have arrived a couple weeks ago? And it would be this new exciting thing because we're finding that most of our website updates have the best response within the first week, maybe even less, like four to five days. Um, so the attention span is definitely shrunk. So people can't really remember that this code exists. And so our only option is to like, do we reshoot the code? Do we make it look like it's a new item? Um, pay the model again. Yeah, but then that raises like you're having your expenses all over again for yeah. everything. So then your profit margin on this code lowers. And then if you have to put it on sale, you basically are earning nothing. You're hopefully just trying to earn back what you spent originally on the piece, which is not not sustainable. It's just not leading to any form of growth because you'll yeah. probably just be breaking even on your expense. Yeah, but I guess, like, I'm trying to think, like, let's say we had told this brand, oh, we want it the first week in September. We don't want it then. But it's like then we're shortening our window before we potentially yeah. might need to put this on sale. And at that point, other people and other have stores might it. have already had it. So we're it's like the second someone starts being able to ship something, you kind of want to hop on that bandwagon or else you're shortening your selling window for that item. So it's like, it's this constant cycle of like, do I want it sooner and be able to sell it at an impractical Mm -hmm. time? Or do I wait when it might be more practical, but then everyone else might've beaten me to meet the punch at this point for the desire for this coat. And then they're going to put it on sale. And then they're going to put it on sale. Four to six weeks after you receive the coat. And then you've just made your selling window at full price basically four to six weeks, assuming that your customer does research. Yeah, and I mean, I guess we're coming up against that more and more, specifically for fall, winter, Mm -hmm. because of, and trust me, I love a good vacation, and I wish I lived in Europe so that I could enjoy the month of August off, (laughs) and I totally respect that way of life. I just wish that the whole world either went that way or didn't because it makes doing business. Because if we don't get those before the business closes for the whole month yeah. of August, then we're not going to get it until like the beginning of September. So yeah, it's very un-American. They're out of office email says we will be back in September. And you say, <laughs> excuse me, what? And there's like, no one's then, checking this email. And no, you're like, Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> like my shipment has been stuck in customs or it's lost and no one's there to help you with it. And you're like, well, I just sent you 10,000 euros. Yeah. So it's all, all the give and take, and yeah, definitely Europe going on vacation. Uh, well, obviously only parts of Europe, but most of the parts that we work with, like France and Italy, they're basically like, we need to get you the shipment so we can go on vacation. And I mean, I mean, I'm like really jealous. That yeah, sounds great. No, I like it. That sounds awesome. Let's I mean, I'm that. glad that they have decided to do. I just wish that the whole world Everyone was in sync that. that way. Yeah. Because otherwise, like, I don't know, it affects our cash flow yeah. a lot. Yeah, because then it's a lot of cash out and not a lot of cash in. So that's one thing we run up against, like, with seasons and how it's structured. I feel like spring-summer in general, I'm guessing for everyone, is just a stronger season because Mm -hmm. it has more garments that you can wear during it. And also you're sweating through things more, so. Yeah, so you need more dresses dresses because I just sweated through that dress. And also I feel like spring-summer clothes tend to be made of lighter materials, so they might not survive as well, so they might need to get changed out more often than say a big wool coat which unless you have a moth problem probably isn't going anywhere fast we definitely had a moth problem in boston luckily we do not here which is great because they were not fun they ate all my sweaters it was great um that's another thing with holding inventory 
Yeah, I know. I know. So if we talk about like the seasonal effect of like determining when your sales are, um, yeah, just like not that like we're has we are first of all just to clarify we don't have a moth problem oh, at the store problem. no we do not <laughs> there are no moths have anxiety but, about but, moths. but we have anxiety so essentially if we need to do if we store things we are usually putting them in plastic tubs yeah. to make sure They're nothing gets them tubs. just in case anyone was curious about and that's this. how you should store your wool too that is how you should store your wool or the vacuum sealer bags oh, those are fun yeah those like will those. definitely make sure you don't get moths yeah. in your clothes yeah take care of your woolens everybody yeah um because that's a good way to put a damper on yeah. your season. So I guess like because of the seasons just being out of whack, I feel like no one's like, yeah, I'm so into seasons. I guess you see this trend of people saying they're making more and more seasonless neutrals, just yeah. like multi-season pieces. And that's kind of where we've been heading. And I think it takes the pressure off the need to put things on, on sale, sale all the time, which is definitely part of the problem with the season pressure is like it's this cycle of like you need to buy more for a store they're like the vendors they want you to just keep buying mm-hmm. um and so you see pushback about that with people or brands deciding to do more like neutrals they'll get you yeah. through the year versus some brands when you're like well we don't really sell you in this set of seasons they're like but how about this piece and you're like but we don't sell you and so it's also, I guess, the understanding, yeah. the, the give and take that some brands don't do well in some stores at some times and others do well in other times. And yeah. Like, I feel like there's some knitwear brands that I'm like, your strongest seasons are obviously the winter, yeah. um, yet you get upset if people aren't carrying you through for summer and you've tried, but it's not, it's just being a profit loss for you. Yeah. And that should, that should be not good for the brand because again, having your stuff sitting on, on sale. sale is not... Not particularly good for anyone. I mean, maybe the consumer, if that's the piece you wanted and you want to save money. But it's it's not helping the store. It's not helping the designer. It's not helping the showroom. It just it causes a lot of surrogates, as some would say. And so you just, yeah, the season was kind of like the ebb and flow, and you kind of sort through pieces. So in the warmer seasons, you will get warmer style pieces, and in the cooler seasons, you will get cooler style pieces. But you'll still get some staples, like a button-down shirt. You can wear that pretty much all year. And so we have some brands that every season they come out with a really nice button-down shirt. And we're like, we'll take five. I know. Like right now I realize we have no button-down shirts. And I realize we sell them really well. Um, And I guess that's another thing that has worked well for us is finding a vendor that's willing to work with you when you found a piece that works Mm -hmm. well for you in your store and just getting it in a lot of colors and it won't necessarily be part of the seasons they offer um but you have to be like really sure you're gonna if you're gonna order a larger quantity really comfortable that you're gonna be able to sell through a majority of that yeah because it's scary it's gambling it's gambling it's totally gambling and it's also I guess we can talk about the other thing when a brand works with an external factory or when a brand has their own workshop. So most brands, I would say, have factories. Mm-hmm. And then some really, really small brands that we carry have their own workshops. Like they have people in the back with sewing machines and cutting tables. Mm-hmm. And so they tend to be a lot more flexible on what they can do because they make their own schedule. So we had one brand that we sold through their summer dresses really early. And so we're like, we kind of want some more. And so we sent them an email and they're basically, okay, no problem. Two months, you'll have more of these dresses. And a big brand couldn't do that. That wouldn't be an option. But since the small brand 
we're kind of convinced it's just the husband and the wife team who make it. And I'm assuming other people too. They can't do everything. <laughs> no, you like to think it's, I just, like to them. Think it's just them. Um, uh, so that's, that's kind of another way to beat the seasons is to be able to have these brands that are a lot more flexible. And when we learned that this item is something that's filling a niche that people want filled, we were able to get more to help yeah. fill it. But you also want to walk the fine line of like, well, what is the cap of that item? Like, there was one thing where we were like, can we literally sell one more of these? And the answer was yes, but then like we got it again and again. And then at some point I mm-hmm. think there was like less of a demand. So unless you're just continuously seeking out a new audience all the time, there is probably a max of yes. how many of something you can sell. Yeah. We're trying to hit that on a couple of products. We're like, well, how many how many people still want this? Like how many people want this and don't have it? And I think we It's a good question. We're not sure. We can't figure it out. We can't figure it out cuz we'll thought we'll think it's done and then we'll get emails and we're like, we don't want to order this again. Like do we how yeah. many <laughs> How many times can we order the same pair of sneakers? Like it's just a pair of sneakers. Everyone has sneakers, but then every time they come in, they're sold out in less than 2 weeks. And we're like, well, everyone who wants them must have them at this point, but that's but, not the case, apparently. Yeah. Or they're going through their sneakers. I don't know. I don't think yeah. we've had duplicate orders of them but from the same person, but you never know. Um, and then it's interesting, too. Like, So I feel like a lot of our vendors stick to different schedules of how they operate. A lot of, a large percentage of them do do this like fall, winter, spring, summer, two season thing. Some of them do completely their own thing and are kind of resisting Most the structure. No, no, this is more like, I, I would say like tiny people. Oh, like, tiny, uh, yeah. like, like people, like yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, th- there's like a couple of people we carry mm-hmm. where I feel like all we do is email them like, Hey, so what have you been working on? And they'll be like, Oh, this is what I've been working on. Pick some things. We'll come up with some fabrics. And then it's like the people who have a workshop who are able to to do that. Yeah. And then, then we actually wanted to talk about like what actually has been working well for us is these smaller Mm -hmm. deliveries of clothing throughout the year. And this is more common with our Japanese vendors. Um, Rather than just doing two drops, they tend to do four to six, which sounds... Most all of ours. Most all of ours do four to six. And I think that that's worked really well for us because I think the consistency of seeing those brands so regularly, people are like getting really excited about them. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, oh, I missed this, but I know I can get... They're going to make that shirt again in different colors. And so maybe I didn't get... The color I wanted this time, but in a month and a half, they'll have a different color that I'll probably also love. Exactly. Yeah, and it's a way of getting newness without overwhelming people. Yeah, because Elise was saying the other day when you're on a website and they're listing so many products at once that say they have all of a sudden four pages with like 50 products on it each and it's all new arrivals. It's unclear how you're supposed to take all that information in. Yeah, because it's it's a lot of visual noise. Yeah. and also having the multiple drops, I think, makes it easier if, if, say, this one brand does three really great button downs in white. You probably don't want three button downs in white by the same brand at the same time, but if you will get it spread out, you're right? more likely to sell yeah. each white button. Down. It's no problem. Like, we'll sell them. It's just you probably don't want three almost identical, but not quite at the same instance because then how are people going to be like, oh, well, I like this one because it has. A pointy collar, or this one, because it has a, a pointy collar. collar. Oh, and this yeah. one just has a stand collar. Yeah. Or this one's got, like, little shearing at the back. And it's it's helps, I don't know, make it more digestible. 
Because then you're, like, less trying to figure out how things are different or the same. And because they three, they might be three beautiful shirts, but all together they might not do as well yeah. as each on their own. Yeah, so those are just kind of some of the things that we've done to kind of circumnavigate the whole seasonal thing. And I think if more and more stores and vendors kind of operated within those parameters i think we would all potentially make more money at the end of the day or be more profitable um rather than this like vicious fashion cycle as people call it yeah like get it buy it wear it sell it all that resell it resell it yeah just a whole other topic yeah um yeah i think that we covered everything we want to talk about here. Oh, I get, oh, you know what? One last thing. The one thing I want to talk about is like, it's always been so fascinating to me how this is really restricted to the fashion industry versus something like another consumable good of home goods or jewelry. I don't really feel like those have this problem as much. Like you can buy your goods for your home goods store and people don't expect those to go on sale. There's not this expectation. Unless it's it's like holiday things. I don't think there's that expectation. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I worked at a big brand home goods store for three months, and I will say that there definitely were, like, color trends. Like, as we got closer to fall, more autumn colors came in. But again, it wasn't necessarily the, we gotta get rid of all the yellow, we gotta get it out of here. It was more like a slow transition versus fashion when all of a sudden you stop getting in bathing suits and you start getting in sweaters. It was more of the... I don't know, an even decline. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so there's a lot less. Or it's more like you can keep replenishing the stock you have and working with it. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have a lot of home goods now. We've thought of going into it and maybe jewelry too. We're just, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's more like I'm guessing the stuff will have a longer shelf life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, when I worked at a shop in college, we sold a ton of home goods and People just kept buying it, but there wasn't, like, this expectation for, like, there to ever be, like, a change, like, oh, the quilts you have, like, you must be getting the new quilt soon, the on-trend quilts. No, I think, yeah, jewelry and home goods seem to be kind of bigger picture than clothes, which seem to be a bit more narrowly focused, which is not great, because I feel like we use our home goods and jewelry as much as we do fashion. Yeah. We should all just be more forgiving and easygoing with it but that is not what's happening right now yeah well I hope that was helpful um explaining seasons and things and we're just like as a store gonna be moving towards being like a seasonless thing and we're really only gonna put things on sale that seem like really like I really don't think someone can wear this bathing suit or this yellow dress like niche pieces pieces that are a little more risky not risky so that's not the right word but like it needs a specific customer yeah um, and maybe they're not there at that price point exactly or we're just like i've been staring at this dress for a year i don't want to to, i don't want to stare at it anymore which happens i think i remember the store again i used to work at the boss would come and be like i'm so sick of seeing all of this get rid of it all and i i've heard many store owners say that they just can't stand looking at their inventory anymore which i'm like wait if we feel that way and we don't feel comfortable telling our customer how great it is like you really when you're when you're buying you're like investing and you should be so sure that you love it if 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 it's not like yes i love this then it's like don't get it don't get it if you're hesitating don't buy it that yeah that's definitely been another thing i think we've been working on is 
having pieces that you're so excited about and then you forget about and then when they come to the shop you're like oh my god it's christmas like this is the best day ever this blazer that i was dying for two to five months ago just arrived and i forgot how fabulous it is and now it's here and now all i want to do is talk about how much i love it and how amazing it is and how everyone should have a beautiful blazer exactly well thank you so much for listening in yes thank you thank you this is again our little shop podcast and we'll see you again very soon Have a great day. Have a great day.